by a volunteer um, who's also a local um, Fox News um, cameraman and editor, and he did just a beautiful job. But again, this is just hot off the press, so I'm going to share it with y'all. Let me know if the volume's okay. People think that sex trafficking is a faraway problem, but it's happening right here. In fact, St. Louis is in the top 20 of vulnerable cities for sex trafficking. That means women and girls in our community are being forced into lives of commercial sexual exploitation, violence, and addiction. So as a kiddo, my mother was a drug addict. Um, my father also, when she had me, um, I, I had drugs in my system, baby. She didn't do the necessary stuff in order to, like, you know, get me back or whatever. So I ended up in foster home. I'm from upper middle class black America. I went to private schools. I came from a happy child. However, I was always curious. I always wanted to see what was going on on the other side of the tracks. Shaming to be on drugs and to not want your family to see. Growing up was hard. I ended up at Bravely because 
really stuck in my addiction. And it got to a point where I couldn't even deal with it. I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself. Everyone else saw me coming, but I didn't. I never had nobody to talk to. Uh, I didn't know like help was available. Um, a lot of the systems that I trust, um, I believe to this day, failed me. Um, the foster care system, the school system, I was molested. Bravely was created in 2014 to address that problem. Our two-year program provides everything these women need to heal from the inside out. Here at Bravely, I am the house manager, which means I coordinate care, um, making sure that the women of Bravely get to their meetings, uh, making sure they get to doctor's appointments or scheduling doctor's appointments, therapy appointments. The most rewarding part about my work here at Bravely is seeing the growth that the women have. Um, watching them come in, some maybe right from prison, and watching them gain a voice, like coming really quiet and timid, and then become very vocal about their needs and wants. Yeah, there's beauty in seeing their growth. I've grown in ways that I've never expected. When I look in the mirror, I see a completely different person. I see a whole shock of who I want to be. I see myself growing into the woman who everyone else around me and my loved ones pray for me to be. Setting goals for myself, setting healthy boundaries. Stuff that wasn't taught to me as a child. You know, because I feel you make one or two mistakes and it's a wrap. But here, we learn from our mistakes and we embrace our mistakes and we try to get better. And we know that it's a process, not a race, but everybody's here. Attentions on allowing the other person to become a better person. And whatever they may look like to that individual, we support that. And just having support for who I am, not who you want me to be, is very important. I hear people say that, oh, you uh, work in transitional housing. But we are a community. Um, we're a program. We are not just a space for folks to live, a space for healing. Um, a community of love and care that provides this healing from deep, deep complex trauma. I think the biggest change I've seen in myself is I live each day. I never thought I would make it out of my addiction. I didn't think that I would make it out with um, my family. And every day, even if it's a bad day, I show up. I get honest. I'm authentic. I have bad days, a lot of them, but each day I choose to keep breathing, and I don't pick up. It's personally rewarding when you see somebody fall. In this house, when you see the accomplishments that every one of us has made, you know, because nobody here was the person that I met a year ago when I came. I'm not even the person that I was a year ago. I'm not the person I was three months ago. Bravely has given me an opportunity to live life on life terms without the use of drugs. They have given me a place where I can truly understand what sisterhood means. I love the art that the residents do themselves. They're all really talented artists, but one has a few pieces are all around mosaics and one's also in my office. I love the flag which is not a piece of art but 
looks like right now. Um, so we, um, we celebrated our third anniversary um, in June. Um, and that was our third anniversary of welcoming our first resident. Also in June, we graduated our second person. Um, and that was very exciting. What I want to say, though, is that just because somebody makes that two-year mark doesn't mean that that's the only measure of success. Um, reaching our program the end of two years doesn't necessarily mean that um, that's the only um, value is getting to that, you know, arbitrary point. We have sisters who come and stay less time, but if they leave our house and they remain sober and they return to their families and they're, they're healthy, then we consider that a success too. Um, like Mike said, I was hired in March. Um, I'm a little bit different from previous um, executive directors there in that I have nonprofit management experience, but I'm also a clinician. So I am a trauma therapist um, by training. Um, I also have a small private practice um, in which I exclusively treat um, abused women in, um, for trauma symptoms. Um, that has been extremely helpful in my work at Bravely because even though we talk about um, addiction and sexual exploitation and sex trafficking, what we are really talking about is something that happened way before any of that happened, and that's complex trauma. What happened to these women when they were little and what compounded over their lifespan. So for our women, it was sex abuse as children, um, it was child abuse, physical, it was poverty, um, it was um, drug abuse in the home, um, and even one of our women, Anika, you saw on the screen, she was actually born with drugs in her system. So that just gives you a sense of what we are dealing with. It's not, it's not an end of the road problem. 
and that's what makes Bravely different. So a lot of the centers and residential facilities around focus mostly on the addiction symptoms. We take it way back to the beginning. We focus on the complex trauma. So, um, so yeah, another nice thing about hiring a clinician and a manager is that you only need one person. So that saved us a lot of money, um, which has been helpful as we're moving forward and kind of um, streamlining bravely a little bit. Um, this fall, our board underwent a strategic planning process that um, resulted in our rebranding um, from Magdalene St. Louis, which is how most of you knew us, to Bravely. Um, and that also shifted the name of our social enterprise. Um, all of our shirts, our apparel company, to Wear Bravely. Um, why did we do that? Um, the board and um, previous executive directors have actually been talking about doing that for quite some time. That idea predates me. Um, in fact, our, our um, mother organization that Mike referenced, the Soul Farms, actually did the same thing. They're now known as the Soul Farms. Um, it just becomes unwieldy over time to be known as two things as your social enterprise um, gets more well-known, and we definitely felt that. Um, we also, um, surprisingly, um, our social enterprise was more well-known than we were, um, just kind of, especially when in social media circles. So we decided to combine that. And also, Bravely is such a cool name. And then we also just had some challenges around explaining what Magdalene meant. Um, a lot of people didn't, who are not, um, you know, religious didn't understand that, um, thought that it meant something that it didn't mean, and so there was just a lot of explaining that we had to do, so we just decided to become Bravely. So we are Bravely, officially and fully, except our emails because that's killing me. I'm trying to get those changed over, but almost there. Um, so since we've started, um, we've served a total of 44 women, but hundreds more through our advocacy and referrals. So we get calls, um, oh my gosh, numerous calls every day. And so our job is not only to serve the ones that come into our house, the women who come into our house, but also to make sure that we are doing the best job we can of routing those calls to the best um, services elsewhere. Um, so we've provided more than 6,000 nights of safe rest since we started, more than 19,000 meals, and more than 4,500 hours of group therapy. And that doesn't include individual trauma therapy, which we outsource. Um, like I said earlier, two of our women have completed the full two-year program, and um, one more is set to graduate in early 29. Anika, you saw her on the, on the film. Um, our capacity is six to seven women at a time. We used to say that our capacity was much larger because our house could fit that. Um, we've now, our board has made a decision now that our capacity is no more than seven. Um, because therapeutically um, and clinically, that is the right number. And we've learned that over you know, the last few years um, as we've been doing this work. 
So um, Wear Bravely, is our social enterprise, is going to celebrate its two-year anniversary in November. This was um, started by my predecessor, Hope Jer Jernigan, who did an amazing job um, really coming up with the, the core ideas around Wear Bravely. It is an apparel company, and you can see all of the pieces um, behind me. Um, we've been, you know, experimenting with how to um, fit Wear Bravely into our, um, into who we are. Um, the purpose of it is really not to make money. It does not support our house. Our goal for Wear Bravely really is for it to sustain itself so that it can provide jobs for the women who work for us and job training. Um, something really exciting that just happened um, on Friday night and actually throughout the summer is that the St. Louis Blues caught wind of our little t-shirt company and they hired us to design them a shirt. Yes, it was great. So the women went and spent um, a day um, at the Blues headquarters in August um, learning from all of the female executive leadership at the Blues how to um, create a design, how to do mock-up storyboards, how to pitch a design, how to you know, do social media, um, all sorts of amazing um, opportunities for them to learn and grow. And then they went back to the house and they did it. And it turned out great. Then they went back and pitched their design. And um, the Blues organization loved what they did, so they printed up many, many shirts that are now for sale in the Blues um, online store and in their shops at the stadium. And they were unveiled on Friday night. So some of you may have been there even. So thank you for coming. We appreciate that. <laughs> um, so in, in that experience, um, not only was about you know the, the job, but it was also feeling the women felt this great acceptance from their community. Um, at large, um, wanting them to be involved in that way. And I've just never seen them so excited or feeling so empowered as they have through that experience. Um, another thing going to our um, Wear Bravely, in May we were awarded um, a prestigious Spirit of St. Louis Women's Fund grant. Um, so we were one of only 12 organizations selected through a process that started with 230 applications. So we were really proud of that. Um, I think it tells us that we've got something here. We just have to keep um, nurturing it and growing it. And yeah, so um, I'm trying to think a little bit. Did you want to talk, start talking about our partnership a little yeah. bit more? We can um, talk together? Yeah, we can talk together. Okay. So a lot of what you heard Michelle say is Bravely's been in a period of discernment. Um, it's discernment that's led to a change in the name. Uh, partly because, and, and I, I like the way that you said it, you know, that people didn't quite understand what Magdalene meant. Uh, that's true in religious circles as well. And Magdalene has this, uh, Mary Magdalene has this association because of a grumpy, misogynistic pope uh, with prostitution. Uh, Thank you for saying it. There's nothing in scripture that, that goes from that. Um, and so it's sort of, it was always sort of a little bit of a misnomer. Um, if you're uh, working with women who survive lives of sex work. But yeah, there's some problems with that. Um, so I was really excited. I think Bravely is a really 
phenomenal name, but, but they've been doing some really hard identity work. Um, the organization was started with really big dreams. Um, and I think they're doing really important work about how do we stay sustainable? How do we keep this um, going? So one of the things, and, and members of the industry know this, but um, one of the things that's going to happen over the next couple months, uh, Magdalene uh, Bravely is not going to be renting our house anymore. Uh, we spent a year where the graduates, the first two graduates, lived in the house that we renovated together, and that was amazing. Uh, it was amazing for us. It was amazing for those two women. One of them has chosen uh, to rent an apartment just down the street. Uh, it was a really great experience. But over the long haul, it was determined that with fewer women coming out of the program, you know, we kind of always imagined this was going to be a co-living environment with a couple of women, and they were going to be turning out all these graduates, and, and it, we were housing women one at a time. Um, and it's a big house for one person. And it's far away from the headquarters, and as the staff has been right-sized, it was too far away to support a staff relationship with the person who was here. So, um, women who are graduates, they're looking at housing in some of the unused space at Bravely's headquarters in the Old North, which is a good right-sizing for the organization. It's helped us do discernment, too. Um, we are now looking for, and, and if you know folks in this sector, uh, Brian, who's our treasurer on investor, and I uh, are sort of heading this up together, but um, Brian especially, we'd love to talk to you. We're starting to talk with organizations that represent people coming off of or into parole um, out of prison, things like that. Other reintegrated steps, we think we have a wonderful house in a wonderful community that is a great launching pad if you're reintegrating in the community. Um, in an economically diverse neighborhood, um, frankly, this building has so many um, support groups that meet in it that that's a great resource as well. So we're looking for another organization to partner with that is looking to expand its housing right now. And we're, we're starting to get some nibbles, but if you um, are in the know about another organization that might use some housing like that, um, we'd love to talk to you. But it, it was good discernment. It was good work for us. And depending, we could enter into, we, we, I've said to Michelle, we'll probably enter into another one or two year lease agreement. And whenever that lease agreement is up, we're going to be checking back in with Bravely to make sure they've sort of got first dibs every time that lease comes up, um, if they want to renew it. But that's the kind of work, which means that we've got to get intentional, right? So we took a group to the um, Blues game on Friday night, and uh, as Bravely moves forward, they're going to keep trying um, public events where the public can come. Uh, there are some house renovations that need to happen in the Bravely house. Uh, and, and we're pretty good at renovating houses for Bravely, it turns out. Um, so we're going to be working to um, program a couple of uh, work days down in the Old North uh, where some of the group that led the renovation of our house right here that Bravely occupied are going to go down and do some pre-work and make sure we've got what we need so that you know we can do it. Y'all come on a Saturday and do some work down there with them. So we're looking at opportunities like that. The other thing is, these clothes are wonderful, and they sell themselves, right? Um, but uh, there are regularly requests from organizations that are partnered with Bravely to do sales. Um, and it can always be helpful, even if the women of Bravely are up front, it is always helpful to have a volunteer um, there to help and support the sales, do sort of trunk shows. Um, Kara Cummins, who's a member of our congregation, who is on the board for Bravely, would be a great person to talk to if you 
because that's the kind of, you know, it, it's a kind of ongoing volunteer opportunity. Um, so we're looking at ways to continue to partner, um, to continue to um, work with each other, uh, and, and it's going to be a little bit different than the house coming forward, but I think that's good. I think it's a sign of healthy discernment. And um, also in April, we're having our first big event, I would say, that we've had in a couple of years. Um, we've had some galas in the past. Um, so as a new organization, you are always experimenting with what actually makes money and what, what breaks even for you. So um, we, in April, are having a luncheon. Um, it's an awards luncheon called the Bravely Awards, and we are going to be awarding um, women who um, are leaders in the community in several different areas that we hold dear. Um, survivorship is one, um, business leadership, social justice activism. So we are currently taking nominations for any women who would be worthy re recipients of the first Bravely Award. And then we would love for y'all to, you know, maybe pull together, get a table, and come out and support us at that event, um, which we're hoping is going to become a very low overhead, um, high return annual fundraiser for us. Yeah. So I wonder if you all have questions from Michelle. Yeah. I'm not So even though there are two hundred names on that list, 
set foot through the door. So we, it's actually more of a challenge than you would think, actually getting somebody into the house, which kind of blew my mind. Because we, we would get, go through these long interview processes to make sure that someone was in the right, you know, felt stage of change. It has to be certain things ready. And then um, that they were just a good fit for the house and the dynamics. And we'd get there, we'd be so excited. And then they wouldn't have a community analysis. And they can't come in without it. It's just a, a rule. So and we even take women from prison. So I thought, well, that's going to be our better shot at getting women in the door. Um, because they're coming from prison. Certainly they'll be clean. Well, we, thought, we found out that if we are not at that bus stop, right when they step off, even a half an hour drive is too much sometimes. And we lose them in that time. That's how powerful it is. Now, we have great luck when we get them in the house. We have really great, great luck then. But um, it's rough. So um, we, we get referrals from lots of places to more directly answer your question. Prison, jail, um, partner organizations. But that, it, it's Queen of Peace gives us a lot of referrals. Um, but it's, it's literally like um, grabbing the ball out of the lottery machine is, is if she's going to be ready at that moment. So even though we have this list, it's not a static. Does that make sense? That wasn't my question. Oh, good. <laughs> good. <laughs>
making sure that our women are getting the best gold standard for complex trauma treatment because without it, um, the, the, the chance for relapse, even if you do all of the addictions protocol, is so high. So we want to make sure that we have them with us for enough time to stabilize once they're really doing the trauma work, which is lifelong, of course. But that first burst of it is so painful and so hard. So we've got that. And then um, I would say the last year of living in the house, we're starting to shift towards um, job readiness. They have to save a certain amount of money. Many of our women are excited because they can buy, they save up and buy a car. Um, so we have financial literacy. Health literacy is a really important part, teaching them how to take control of their own health, how to talk to um, doctors, how to advocate for them their own health, which is hard in some of the systems that they need to get their health from, which are, you know, overburdened and um, not always culturally kind. Um, so there's that piece of it. Um, yes. Then um, after that, once we have their exit plan in place, we had worked with you all to do our graduate housing here. That was an option that they could um, rent um, a house, or rent at a reduced rate. So I think we started out at $100 a month per person, plus utilities, and then it built up over time. So they could gradually get used to paying their own bills. And um, it works really, that worked really well for um, my first graduate. I, I'm not sure who was next. Okay. Why did you decide to reduce or establish a number of six or seven people? Well, um, clinically, with our staffing levels, um, it's it's unsound to do any more than that. Even when we had more staff, we didn't necessarily have more clinical staff than that. So just because you can put 11 people in a house doesn't mean you should. <laughs> and, and, and these, um, and our women um, are coming from places of very deep trauma and too much activity and overstimulation. We gotta keep this house calm and quiet as possible. It's important for recovery that it's peaceful. And um, with that many people in a house, it's impossible. <coughs> Think about Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? When you got suddenly twice as many people in your house. It's just too much stimulation. So that's part of it. Another part of it is um, I just don't think that it's therapeutically safe. We can't do everything that we need to do. We can't have as enough touch points with that many people. I don't think it's, it's, it's fair and it's certainly not clinically sound from a therapist's perspective. So, can I piggyback on that? Yeah. So, I think you're hearing there, I mean, it took, the, the first executive director of Magdalene didn't work while there were women in the house. You know, this was the, the person that helped establish the organization. Then Hope Jernigan, who's a friend of the congregation, um, an Episcopal priest came in and helped transition into 
having a win in the house and, and really getting the program started. And now you've got Michelle, you've got your first clinician who's also executive director. And so what's going on in terms of how decisions are made is going to shift a little bit there. Right? Um, it, it's why it's important that we do discernment work together as a body. Um, and and there's, a, there's a question of right size. So 12 women in a house wasn't feasible. Once Magdalene establishes a, a, a continuity of care, or bravely now, establishes a continuity of care, establishes a, a best practice in St. Louis, and frankly, establishes a donor base that can sustain it, the next step would not probably be adding women to the house they have, but would be site number two, clinical director number two, right? So it's part of that discernment work. And, and what this model does that I think is so, you know, we, we have multiple, you know, just some really good ones like Queen of Peace. We've got lots of different treatment centers in St. Louis. And what Bravely is trying to do is different than all of that. And so living into that sometimes takes some time, sometimes takes some energy.
species will come and get them, but that's really only seen the peaks because they have, you know, they have a rat. Because in rural Haiti and in, in urban Peru, 
do the cheapest thing. We're not going to do the thing that, you know, like this intervention has, you know, for the money, the relatively high success rate. We're going to say that God has an option for those who are most suffering. And we're going to put a lot of resources there. We're going to put a lot of energy there. We're going to put a lot of care there. We're not going to limit it because, you know, women should earn this care. We're going to put this care here. And so I'm hopeful that one day, you know, the World Health Organization or the federal government changes its protocols. But right now, the way that all those laws are written and the way that the housing laws are written, it, it, it's all a merit-based system. Um, it's all a you earn, you know, being a, a good citizen gets you federal housing dollars. Well, that's ridiculous because it's not addressing the people who are most in need. Um, so I'm really glad that to hear there's a clinical model and all the thing on this. But it, it's why, I mean, this is one of those where, you know, this is a, another Episcopal church founded and then thankfully released organization. But we have a certain level of responsibility to stay close, to continue to pray for, to continue to fund, to continue to share on social media and wear t-shirts and, and support the work of an organization that is bravely doing something that is uh, not... Uh, easy to prove on paper yet. So, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I want to be um, conscious of time. We've got a, a little over 15 minutes before church starts, and I want to give you all a chance to shop. Um, next Sunday, we'll be back for the old forum. Um, myself and some members of the vestry are going to talk about where we are with the capital campaign that we've approved going forward, talk about our priorities that we're discussing with the architect, and sort of catch you up on that conversation. Uh, so we hope you'll come next Sunday. Um, I just brought an example of everything that we have, um, but I think...